everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. Hey, Allison. My name's Mike. Hello, Mike. I like to throw a little curveball in there sometimes, so it's like not exactly the same every single time. Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling I'm going to run out of ideas, though, uh, pretty soon. There's only so many ways you can spin that intro. <laughs> yeah. And I like say, hey, baby girl, because you're my baby girl. Aw, that's very sweet. And my wife. That's true. I'm your yeah. bride. You're my love interest and my wife. Your br- blushing bride. Yeah. Um. Well, not blushing a lot. Usually more, uh, maybe blushing from anger, I would say. Yeah. And uh, annoyance and just just general things that happen after 20 years of marriage. I would say more annoyance for sure than anger. Okay. that's a, I'll take that. No problem. That's a win as far <laughs> yeah. as I'm concerned. Uh, thanks for coming over and uh, taking a listen or watching or whatever you're doing. Uh, we really appreciate it. And um, if you're listening on Apple, if you could leave us a review or Spotify or Audible, any of those things, we've been seeing a huge increase from Spotify. So hello, Spotify listeners. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Please gather around. Grab it's good to of, have you. Yeah, grab a cup of coffee, tea, you know, a martini, whatever you're into these days. Yep. Yeah, and um, yeah, I'd like to re- read like a review every uh, every episode just to kind of say hey, thanks, and you know, say what other people are saying about us. And uh, this particular review comes from um, someone named Steph. She says, "Becoming a new favorite. I love you two together. Allison does a wonderful job researching and delivering these stories. I like that you guys pick stories that not everyone has already heard or covered." I get excited for a new podcast every week as I've already binged most of the episodes. Well, thank you so much, Steph. And apparently Mike doesn't do a good job researching, but well, that's okay. No, I I'm just I probably cover 90% of the cases. You do. When you start covering like, yeah, seven out of eight, then that turns out to be you're the one that everybody yeah. thinks of. That's okay. And it is true, though. We do try to avoid covering cases that I've heard on other podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, I know if you've listened to this podcast consistently, you know that Mike's not much of a true crime buff. He's not the one listening to other people's podcasts. Yeah. Um, like anytime we get a suggestion, you know, I, we just had a, one recently from uh, Nick and she's like, um, have you heard of this one? I was like, I haven't heard of anybody besides like John Wayne Gacy, Jeffrey Dahmer. I think that's about it. Golden State Killer or something around there. And yeah. Then even the ones that we were telling, like I have such a bad memory. I don't even remember the ones that I tell for the most part. <laughs> so, you know, what's nice is like when I watch a movie, it's new to me almost every single time. Yeah. It's like a patient with Alzheimer's disease. Pretty much. And it's kind of funny now, but like by the time I'm 70 or 80, it's going to be really sad. So well, hopefully we're still doing this podcast though. Oh yeah. That'll be interesting. Uh, I read a meme yesterday that I told you about it said how to know if you're old fall down and if people laugh you're young if people get all you know concerned and run over you're old (laughs) it's so true because if i fell i think you would definitely be concerned well, you're not old. I, I'm just big. Like, I can really hurt myself because I'm a large fella. I would definitely be concerned if you fell down, even if it was 20 years ago. But if I start sliding off of a roof, you would laugh at me. <laughs> I would. Because that happened about 15 years ago. I was trying to put up some lights on our uh, on a roof for Christmas. And I was like kind of scared because I was never been on a roof before. It was like in our first house. And I was putting some lights up and then I started sliding. And I'm like just trying to grab something. There's nothing to grab. And my shoes aren't like... <laughs> grabbing anything and then you're i'm looking at you i'm like allison move something and you're just like (laughs) well i was on the ladder i was up towards the top and you're sliding towards me like what the hell do you want me to do well definitely laugh number one (laughs) laugh and then you know just try to get out of the way it was nervous laughter like i mean maybe put a broom up there i don't know yeah put a broom yeah i guess what the hell are you even talking about (laughs) i was on a ladder at the top of the roof yeah and I when was you were sliding, sliding down. towards me. Right. Where did you want me to get the broom from, Mike? The garage. It was right there. 
It all happened in a matter of seconds. Yeah, and instead of fight or flight, you chose laugh. Yes. Just laughter. Sometimes I do freeze in, in stressful situ- situations. Yeah, and I'm actually fantastic in stressful situations if I can not toot proud. my own horn. Like, you toot your horn a lot on this podcast. Yeah, I guess what you, you, you could say I'm kind of a um, full of myself, I guess. People have said that in the past. <laughs> So, like, I'm always like, you know, I'm a pretty decent guy. Then hey. people are like, whoa, wow, hey, I guess you're pretty cool. I'm like, no, I don't think I'm the best or anything. I just think I'm like, I'm genuinely okay, you know? There's nothing wrong with that. Why is that a bad thing? Right. That's what I'm saying. You told me today I need to speak more uh, positively about myself because I was just joking. Oh, I know. I We were making pancakes and I put the liquid into the thing too early. And I was like, oh, what an idiot. And you're like, speak nicely about yourself. Because you asked me to do the same about myself. And it is true. We need to speak about ourselves as we would to a friend. Yeah. Huh. You know how we have that little voice in our heads that's always giving the dialogue? Uh, no, actually, I don't have one. We, I don't know if we ever talked about that before. I don't know. Uh, 50% of people or 60 or something have a dialogue going on in their head. I don't have one. Oh, mine never shuts the F up. Yeah. like So your dialogue's basically like, it's you or something in your head talking to you? Yeah, it's me. It's like, you know, the things I have to do or like, oh, gosh, you should have done that another way. And basically, from the moment my brain wakes up in the morning until the moment I go to sleep at night, it's it's like there and then it's not and it's there and it's not. Mine is like this. Like I look at a table, coffee, drink. And here's, then it comes over. here's what goes on in Mike's brain. Yes, very funny. The circus noise. Very good. Um, yeah, I, that's how I am. I'm like, pen, pick up, write, type. So I need to, you know, we all need to, whoever has that internal dialogue, be more kind and say to yourself, would I ever speak to my friend this way? Right. And if the answer is no, then you need to start to think of how to be kinder to yourself. You know, it's uh, same for families. I mean, we, we always hurt the ones we love, unfortunately. It's true. And we, you know, we need to give ourselves a little bit more grace. Not that we're like professionals at this or anything. Especially at the holidays. I think, you know, people, it's a fun time of year, but it's also very stressful. Yeah. So, you know, we're trying to make everything perfect, even though that doesn't exist. Oftentimes, I think, too, it's moms yeah. put a lot more pressure on themselves. Yeah, I think the whole world puts pressure on moms, unfortunately. Females in general, you don't have to be a mom. But right. Men are more gracious towards themselves, I think. Yeah, because we kind of made the world and the rules. So that's kind of... Oh, did you? Well, I mean, look at the founding fathers. I mean, yeah, it was kind of... The United States was started by men, not because it should have been, Mm -hmm. just it's a fact. You know, we kind of started this stuff because that's just what happened. Not saying anything about that. Don't start coming at me being like, men, whatever. Like, No, you have a lot of respect for women. I'm I'm a feminist, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's... uh, Yeah, it's just... We we made the rules. Yeah. Bottom line... Be kind to yourself. Yes, exactly. That's the point. So I of this. dig this a uh, little. Yeah, bit I don't know where the hell Mike <laughs> spun off here. He took a left sharp turn <laughs> uh, down a one way street. Anything else you'd like to talk about? Uh, I don't think so. We're going to see some Christmas lights tonight. Should yeah, be fun. It's that time of the year. You know, we're just going to drive somewhere, look at lights, and t- pay twenty bucks, and then come back. It's twenty dollars per car, and you get to drive around. And there's like a little train you can take, and it's Safety Town, where I don't know if everyone's familiar with that. It's like this little town where like kids can learn the rules of the road or something is that what safety town is i don't know i've never been there and it seems kind of too early because like they don't need to learn how to drive till they're 16 i don't know yeah but anyway they decorate safety town yeah what the hell do i know i'm (laughs) I'm just gonna go and look at some christmas lights yeah we're just gonna do something festive that's what should be fun so other than that i'm i'm about ready we watched die hard last night Mm -hmm. um because you know there's always that debate is die hard a christmas movie or not and we're just like yeah let's put it on we haven't watched it in probably 15 20 years i Uh, don't i 
I 30? do not remember. I don't think during our marriage we have watched it. Yeah, We've been married so. for 20 years, so I would say I probably haven't watched it in 30 years. Now, it was rated R. There's a couple of uh, breasts that are shown. There's some F-bombs. There's obviously Plenty of F-bombs. Lots of bullets flying out of chests and such. Um, yeah. Legs, kneecaps, those sort of things. Yeah, but our kids watched with us, so... Yeah, but it was very suspenseful. It was a great movie. And it, the whole thing ends with a Christmas song. So. I like how I'm like, it was a great movie. It's like I'm talking about a movie from 1998. <laughs> or, I'm sorry, 1988. It, we won't spoil it. Me. Don't worry. And what was nice, like we said, um, I had no idea what was going to happen in the end. I mean, I kind of had an idea, but I didn't know exactly. It's a great movie. It's great. constant suspense, never a dull moment. And it takes place in one evening at a Christmas party. Yeah. So, so it's definitely it Christmas. is Christmas. Christmas adjacent. Adjacent. Yep. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and get going here. This is an interesting story, one that I've never heard. It is the Delamar Vera story. Ooh, I've never heard this one either. You haven't? <laughs> we well, you may have it. read about it a week ago and you wouldn't know, no, would you? that's true. Okay. So on December 15th, 1997, a fire started in a two-story row house in North Pennsylvania. So the story takes place over the course of some years, and it takes place in Pennsylvania. So Luz Cuevas, who was the resident of the home... Is and, a person's name? Yes. Okay. L-U-Z, Luz. She was a resident of the home. She was also a frantic mother. She rushed into the bedroom of her 10-day-old infant's room mm. in search of her baby. She was unable to locate her and was soon forced out of the house because of the smoke and the fire. Oh, that'd be so scary. And you know it would take a lot to push a mom out of a 10-day-old baby's room or any child's room. Yeah, I mean, they'd have to be close to, like, yeah, just death. Mm -hmm. She knew that she had to leave the house or she herself would also perish in the fire. And you would be no help to your baby. So she was overcome by smoke. She had burns to her face and she was forced to flee the home, saving her two other children. So when firefighters managed to extinguish the fire, there was no sign of baby Delamar Vera. They concluded that the baby's body must have been so incinerated by the flames that had been caused by an overheated extension cord from a space heater. The fire had mainly been contained to the baby's room. Oh, no. So, That's so sad. Like you're trying to keep the baby warm, and mm-hmm. it's the very thing that ruined everything in the house. Right. Sad. So Luz refused to believe that this was what she was being told. She refused to believe it, that her baby was um, burned. Instead, she insisted that her daughter must have been kidnapped. Mm. So Della Marvera, backing up, was born 10 days earlier on December 5th, 1997, to parents Luz Cuevas and Pedro Vera. Despite Pedro being present at Delamar's birth and also being the person to cut the umbilical cord, he didn't end up signing the baby's birth certificates. Hmm. This is just a little side piece to just keep in the back of your mind. So in the late afternoon of December 14th, 1997, which was the day before the fire, Carolyn Carrera came to 4410 Hurley Street in hopes that Pedro Vera, who was her cousin, would fix her car that was having brake problems. It was the first time she had visited the home. She had actually never met Luz Cuevas. So while at the home, she told Luz that she too had recently had a baby. The next day, which was the day of the fire, December 15th, Carolyn returned to the home saying that she had left her purse upstairs. Shortly after she left, the fire started in the upstairs front bedroom. It was about 7 p.m. Neighbors began to hear screams and saw Luz standing in the middle of the street screaming in Spanish, my baby, my baby. 
Smoke and flames raged from the second-story windows of the home as neighbor Gloria Mojica and her son Jose Rosario rushed inside, also trying to help save the situation. Yeah, everybody wants to try to save a baby in a burning house. And it's like you have to act quickly because you all know that fire spreads fast and it's a matter of life and death. Yeah, it's a time-ticking time bomb. Mm -hmm. So smoke and flames, you know, are raging upstairs but despite this the neighbors did try to go upstairs to help save the baby jose said that he did hear crying and he tried his hardest to save the baby but just like Luz couldn't he was also unable to because he was choked by the smoke. Well, it's only going to get worse after uh, Luz came out. Mm-hmm. So Pedro Vera, or I'm sorry, I'm going to back up for a second. Luz tried to save her baby, as I said in the beginning. She entered the room not once, but twice. She suffered burns to her face. She was unable to locate Delamar, who wasn't in her crib where she had last seen her. So Pedro Vera, from conflicting reports, said he was either alerted to the fire by his cousin, cousin Carolyn, or Luz, his partner, after the fire had, you know, had started and he had come to the scene. So it was kind of unclear of which way he heard. Within 14 minutes, the fire was extinguished. Absolutely no remains were found belonging to Delamar. And again, the baby was said to have been consumed by the flames. Basically, her little body had been incinerated. Is that possible? You're going to hear more. Yeah. I mean, firefighters, you would think, I mean, there has to be a lot of heat for a lot of time, especially, I hate to get too morbid, but bones and such, that takes a lot of heat. Well, we all know that a lot of people choose to be cremated. Yeah. And that takes hours and hours and hours in order to do. Right. So that's where my mind went. Right. And I mean, at the same time, it's a baby, you know, 10-day-old baby. Tiny. So yeah, you never know. Takes maybe less. I know, like you said, that is very morbid, but it's pertinent to the case. It's what we're thinking. Exactly. So due to the lack of remains, a funeral was never held for Delamar, and the medical examiner was not able to issue a death certificate, which I kind of found interesting. I mean, have there been death certificates given for people that haven't been found? I mean, she existed. She was told by firefighters that she had perished in the fire. But it's not like they can say, here's the reason, you know, see them clearly. proof? Yeah, and identify and all that stuff. I don't know. I don't know. So the medical examiner basically told the family that they had to go to court to obtain a death certificate. Oh, and he wasn't going to sign it. Right. Yeah. So Pedro Vera and Luz Cuevas, they remained a couple until December of 20, um, sorry, 2002, more than five years later. Prior to this, they moved into a new home. From what I read, they moved several times. And I will say in my research that the couple wasn't exactly financially stable from what I read. So they had a second child together named Samuel in 1999. Pager worked as a car mechanic as well as a stalker at the Dollar Tree while Luz stayed home with the three kids because she did have two kids from another relationship, two sons. She continued to pray that she would find her baby, continuing to believe that Delamar hadn't died in the fire. In the years after the fire, Pedro told his neighbor Gloria, and as well as I read on and also conflicting things of who he said this to, but Regardless, he did say on several occasions that he believed that his daughter had been stolen from him and had not died in the fire. So it wasn't just Luz. Okay. And then was Luz looking for the daughter at all? Like was... 
you know, talking to people and saying, you know, be on the lookout for my daughter or trying to talk to people? Like, was it well, well known that she didn't believe that Delamar, uh, Delaver, I'm sorry, Delamar, Delamar, Delamar um, passed away? It is not entirely clear of how many people she said this to yeah, it, it and how well known it was. Okay. So um, on the night of the fire, cousin Carolyn Carrera, who, you know, again, had been at the house, she visited her then boyfriend, Andre Moore, and she went to the mother's house, Andre Moore's mother, and told her that she had been pregnant with Andre's child. She told Andre's mom that she had delivered her baby at home and named her Aaliyah after the late singer. Oh, my God. I see where this is going. This is absolutely bananas nuts if it's going where we all think it's going. Yes. There's a couple of twists in the story. Okay. So on January 24th, 2004, we're fast forwarding some years. Pedro Vera's sister, Evelyn Vera, hosted a birthday party for her three-year-old granddaughter. At this party, she invited Luz, who was now Pedro's ex-girlfriend since they had broken up in 2002. But they were together for a while, so she still knew her. And they had a child together, Samuel. Uh, so that's probably her um, niece. Nephew. Nephew, okay. Yes. So she also invited Carolyn Carrera, who she considered someone who was like a sister. This okay. is... Because um, she was always around. Evelyn uh, can... Not Luz. Luz did not consider Carolyn a sister. Oh. Evelyn did. Got it. Okay. Yes. During the party, Evelyn walked Carolyn's daughter over to Luz and introduced her as Aaliyah Hernandez. She said, isn't Carolyn's daughter beautiful? As Luz looked at Delamar, her breath was absolutely taken away. Delamar? Well, we'll see who she thought was Delamar. Okay. She looked at Aaliyah. My apologies. That's okay. I misspoke on that yeah, one. Yeah, you kind of you blew the uh, lead here. Well, it's, it's what we're all thinking anyway. Yes. okay. So, okay, she's looking at Aaliyah. My apologies. And she noticed a dimple on the child's cheek, and something clicked. This dimple <sighs> matched her own. She also noticed that she looked just like her two boys. Uh, not to be too much like the, what is podcast, Morbid, but uh, I felt some chills on this uh, one. That's actually not Morbid. Oh, uh, which one is it? I think that's Crime Junkie. Full body chills. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, she was convinced that this six-year-old six little girl that she was looking at must be her missing child, Delamar. Oh, my God. That would feel so fucking awesome, but still, like, crazy and, like, every emotion you could possibly mm-hmm. think of. And would you also question yourself, like, this is just me holding out hope? 100%. I'd be like, I'm tricking myself. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, like a dimple, like you're as a mother, you got to know that's the dimple of your daughter. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I'd, I'd be so excited and angry and I don't know, every single emotion. Like Mind I said. boggled. Yes. But you know, if what we're hearing and reading and what I'm saying is true, she believed in her heart that her daughter had not died in that fire. Right. So... It is a possible. So she called the little girl over to her. She told her that she had gum in her hair and that she could fix it. She quickly removed five strands of the child's hair and wrapped them in a napkin (laughs) and placed them in a plastic bag. Oh, that's great. She said she learned this trick from watching police shows, knowing that she would need a DNA sample to prove who this child belonged to. Well, is somebody going to do this test? Is that possible? Can you just take people's hair and then... 
Get I guess you can. So what happened was Luz took her story to state representative Angel Cruz. Wow. So she's Luz is like, hell yeah, this is my daughter. Mm-hmm. Like no she doubt about it. it. This bitch is crazy and stole my daughter in this house fire. So she got backing and help from the state representative who put her in touch with the police who performed a DNA test and found that indeed... This little girl was, in fact, her daughter, Delamar. Yes, that's awesome. And I hope this goes in a good way, hopefully. Now, unfortunately, I don't know. Well, police suspected that 41-year-old Carolyn Carrera, who was living in Willingboro, New Jersey, which is a suburb of Philadelphia. I guess it's just a few miles across state lines and only 15 miles away from where Luz was living, had started the fire and kidnapped Delamar, pretending that she was her own child. Oh, my God. What a psychotic piece of shit so wait wait i know you said cousin carolyn's whose cousin pedro's pedro's okay okay god that what a psychotic person jesus christ who st- like steals people's kids not like within not the a same mentally family. sound like person. your cousin's daughter yes right i mean this the pedro like did pedro put her up to it or anything do you have anything behind that well we'll keep going oh god this is interesting so before the results of the dna test were available though you know you're you're in a period of limbo here of course delamar had to be placed in new jersey state custody okay so this is a big thing like there's it's a big thing okay yeah when the results were available carolyn carrera was brought in to provide a second dna sample a couple of the resources I read said that Carolyn had actually fled and, you know, f- knowing what was happening uh-huh. um, and then finally turned herself in. Regardless, she came in. She had to have a DNA sample to also prove that she didn't match sure. the baby or the child, I should say. Sure. So she did provide the sample. At that time, The I sh- I'm saying the baby. She's at six years old at this time. The little girl was taken from her and she was taken into custody Um, When I say she was taken into custody, I mean Carolyn, and placed on a $1 million bail, leaving her three children behind because she also had three other children. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, it is sad. It's it's a complete upheaval of everybody's lives. But you can't just be taking people's kids. You cannot. So she was charged with arson, assault, and kidnapping. Wow. Arson, I mean, that's at least of her charges mm-hmm. right there. I mean, attempted murder almost. You could well, possibly Well, sure, because anyone could have died in that fire. Yeah. Carrera um, had sent, when, you know, when she was raising Aaliyah to be her child, she had sent her to private school. She was grooming her to be an actress and to be involved in beauty pageants. So her family seemed a little better off than Luz and Pedro. It sounds like it, yes. Okay. But it doesn't seem like very much so. Okay. So, you know, she must have been really stockpiling any funds to put her through private school, from from my understanding. Well, and anybody willing to steal a kid is probably willing to do anything else to make their kid, you know, do something that makes them proud. Or right. Whatever. Yeah. And, you know, meanwhile, as Carolyn is being arrested, poor little Delamar... Or Aaliyah. You know, you can call her either name. Absolutely. She is screaming and crying. This being the only mother that she knows. It's like, you're supposed to be going to like, it's a good story. Like, you you got found by your real mom. But mm-hmm. in, in her mind, I'm being taken from my mom. Exactly. <sighs> which is so heartbreaking. So Carolyn told her, goodbye. This is the last time you're going to see mommy. Yep. And Delamar oh. was temporarily placed with a foster family. But, you know, in the meantime, there were so many questions. How did family and friends believe Carolyn's story for so long? If she did kidnap Delamar and set the house on fire, who was there to help her since police believe that she absolutely had an accomplice? 
why had she called her former boyfriend three days before the fire to tell him tell him that she had had a baby? A Tampa Bay Times article from 2004 indicates that Carolyn had actually given birth to a baby at home on December 12th, 1997, which was seven days after Delamar was born. Wow. That she had actually given birth. Oh, my God. And that she was pregnant. And I'm looking at pictures of this woman. This isn't somebody that could possibly not be pregnant and say she just had a baby. Like, she wasn't a large woman. Yeah, you could tell. Yes. It'd be like me, like, showing up with an infant and being like, yep, I had a baby. And my coworkers were like, no, you weren't pregnant. Right. You know, you can't hide that. Yeah. So a family member who later moved away and was unable to be reached by the Tampa Bay Times was apparently present and had gone to the home to help Carolyn deliver the baby. Angelica, Carolyn's 17-year-old daughter, saw her mom two days later. Apparently when Carolyn went into labor, her daughter Angelica was not there, but did come back two days later on December 14th and met the baby. Family members indicate that the baby never changed in appearance even after the fire and the alleged kidnapping. So had you know, so what happened? There's so many questions. On January 6, 1998, Carolyn went and obtained a birth certificate for Aaliyah, claiming, you know, I'd given birth at home and I need a birth certificate for my child. Okay. It's possible that her actual baby may have died. Right. Which caused Carolyn to suffer a mental breakdown sure and completely to, understandable it's mm-hmm. happened to a lot of people unfortunately in 2001 carolyn had a baby with her husband brian Bissardo, and the baby did die several hours later from a heart defect the same thing could have happened to this baby mm-hmm. During her relationship with Andre Moore, she also suffered two more miscarriages. Mm. So it's very possible that she did have a baby. Right. And she, I mean, at this point, you're so hellbent. Like, you know, you're having a baby. You're looking Mm -hmm. forward to it. Can't wait to meet this little thing and hug and kiss it and stuff. And then, you know, I'm sure any woman listening to this that, or any, you've had a friend that has, you know, Mm -hmm. unfortunately been through this can identify be like, yeah, it's an ultimate loss, you know, something oh, that's been a trauma. part of you. I don't want to talk too no, much. No, I case. can't. It's the trauma behind it. I can't even yeah. fathom. So this same article that I'm referring to indicates that this is another bizarre twist that Luz actually met Aaliyah at a party the previous year in January of 2003, rather than January of 2004, as pretty much every article that I'm reading is saying. Okay. So So she met her before. It didn't didn't click then. No, that's not true. So apparently the party was in 2003. Just as I said before, it was hosted by Evelyn Vera. That never changed. Luz was invited because Samuel is Evelyn's nephew, and that's when she saw Aaliyah and took the hair samples. So oh. what what went on? I don't know. So the following January in 2004, when every article pretty much that I've read says it happened, Pedro Vera says, I went to the party. It was not Luz who went to the party that year. Okay. Point blank, matter of fact. So, so okay. what he's saying is that the next day... He called Luz because, of course, they're they're broken up, but they share a child together. He called Luz and told her that he had a feeling that Aaliyah was theirs. And that's when Luz confessed that she had taken strands of hair from this little girl the year before. Okay. But why would she have waited? Right. I don't know. I don't have the answers for that. There's and something fishy there. Why do 99% of the articles that are covering this case say it was January of 2004? Would have been interesting to try to get Luz to tell us 
right? It, yeah, I mean, I mean, if we can find her. Well, I don't know Luz. No, I don't know her either, but I can probably find her. So when Luz was given the results of the DNA test, you know, regardless of what the conflict is, was this 2003? Was this 2004? I mean, just and sorry to cut you off. I'm going to believe whatever Luz has to say. I don't know if I'm going to believe what Pedro has to say just in case, you know, because this is his cousin and I don't know. And he didn't sign the birth certificate. That's a little weird. So, yeah, I right. don't know if you're going to tell me some other stuff, but Luz, I'm going to listen to what Luz has to say. So all of the DNA testing happened in 2004. That's That's what I know for a fact. That is a fact. Okay. So when the results came back and it was confirmed that Luz was the mother, she was absolutely overwhelmed with joy. She was shaking and crying and continued to say, thank you, thank you. Police couldn't understand how the baby had been declared dead in the first place, though apparently officers at the time said that they had found bone fragments, but later tests showed that they were non-human. Why would there be bone fragments in a bedroom? I, I don't know. There's so many questions. <laughs> I did, I, these cops don't sound like they did a very thorough job. When investigators had returned to the scene of the fire, firemen had allegedly disposed of several hundred pounds of debris from the gutted bedroom into the backyard. They came across dry wool particles, which apparently do resemble human ashes. Okay. So, and just took this to be, uh, you know, the baby's human remains. This, though, would only result, like you had said, if the fire had burned at a thousand degrees or more for an hour or more. There you go. This fire lasted less than 15 minutes and was not even close to being a thousand degrees. Right. So you would think that firefighters know this stuff, but maybe not police. You know, maybe just kind of lazy police work and they're like, oh, yeah, the kid probably died in the fire. Mm -hmm. Idiots. State Representative Angel Cruz feels that the language barrier between Luz and authorities may have led to the confusion about whether a body had been found in the fire. Perhaps you bring in a translator. You Crazy idea, right? Think so. Maybe somebody that can't speak English, you get their language they do speak. So mm-hmm. you can properly <laughs> figure things out. It's not like they're speaking Icelandic or something. Right. It's not easily accessible. Exactly. Morons. As Delamar was preparing to return to her real mother, Philadelphia Fire Department officials defended their actions regarding Regarding the night of the fire, Fire Commissioner Harold B. Harrison said, I think we did what we were supposed to do. You know, obviously there's damage control being done because this baby was declared dead. Yeah, and they're going to get sued and probably did get sued and rightfully so. Yeah, I don't know what the results of the suit were, but... Um, According to the department's official report, one firefighter spent 15 minutes completing a primary search for 10-day-old Delamar and a second spent an additional 20 minutes combing through her bedroom in search of any remains. The entire time firefighters told Luz that her daughter had perished in the fire, she continued to yell in Spanish that her baby was alive and had been taken from her. Only two remarks were documented by the company commander in the official report. One read... DOA, which is dead on arrival, one female, approximately one week old. And then a second report said injured, one female, approximately 30 years old, with burns to face, transported to the hospital by M24. They're referring to um, Luz. Luz was the 30-year-old. I think she was 31 at the time who had suffered the burns to her face. And that's basically it. Sure. The fire marshals concluded that the cause of the fire was electrical wires or improper use of homemade extension cord is what was documented. What was the cause of the fire? Well, it's got to be arson, right? Well, yeah, but like, was it a match? Was it whatever? The question remains. Because they, they cleaned it out, right? Yes. So, so these don't know. dickheads, I mean, maybe, 
what Carolyn had some kind of special thing concocted, like a wire where she plugged it in and started on a carpet. I don't know, whatever. That that seems to be kind of, you know, a, a far-fetched idea. I would imagine it's a lighter or something. You would you think. Know? But, you know, there probably was a very finicky-looking concoction with this electrical wire. Yeah. And they looked at it, and they're like, well, it's winter. You were trying to keep the baby's room warm with the space heater, which we all know space heaters can be very dangerous. If they get, like, tipped over and then sure. burn into the carpet. And they didn't determine that it was from the space heater. They determined it was from the, the improper usage of wires. Mm-hmm. So the question again remains, how did the fire department mislabel what was actually arson as an electrical fire? Right. Well, we'll never know. Uh, I mean, that's a pretty shitty, shitty investigation. That's I would completely I would say. botched, 100% botched investigation. Good job. So, you know, the sad part was, number one, there was a language barrier. And number two, you were dealing with a very vulnerable family that was not financially off, well off. So they kind of had their resources very much limited. Yeah. And you can like think maybe, you know, some kind of an element of racism, some kind of an element of classism. And I would never say that because no. that's totally making assumptions. No, but you got to start thinking of stuff like this. But and then- had this been from an english-speaking well-off family that would have said absolutely not this is not true my daughter did not die in this fire there's no way it happened they would have hired lawyers to help defend their case sure that wasn't the case in this situation which is very very unfortunate and you know you got to think that of course a a mother that's so worried about her child you know doesn't find the child she's going to say oh no she's still alive you know in some kind of a craze you know Mm -hmm. so even if they did know what she was saying maybe she's just you know losing it because her baby's in a fight and yeah you're right all those things are accurate i do have it somewhere in the rest of my thing here that they basically chalked it up to it's her nerves sure that are making her think this because wishful thinking your your child dies you want nothing more in the world than to believe that they're still alive maybe 90 percent of cases like this the mother saying the same thing you know perhaps exactly so when Delamar officially met her real mother, Luz, lawyers said that she hid under the table and then popped out saying, surprise. Huh. When Luz asked her if she knew who she was, she replied, you are my mother. Wow. Delamar gave her a hug and a kiss and sat on her lap. It was the moment that Luz had been waiting for for over six years. Oh, my God. Like I'm... <laughs> about to like cry that's awesome it's it's unbelievable that is so like uh, i don't know who taught her that or i don't but it's gotta be so hard as a kid you mm. pop out like she must have just accepted it and been like i whoever worked with her a social worker must have done an incredible job i know can you imagine like i don't know if Luz was expecting differently but she was probably expecting to come in and be a little combative you know be sure. like i'm sorry you know i am your mom and right we'll do whatever it takes but she comes in and like gets a hug and a kiss from and, her and she actually sat on her lap wow yeah it's amazing the court granted custody to both Luz and or Luz Cuevas and Pedro Vera after he was confirmed to be the father via DNA testing. She is um, sent to live with Luz and apparently Pedro could see her whenever she'd like or he'd like. I'm sorry. He just had to place a phone call first to like make arrangements. So he did have absolute rights to see his daughter, but she was ultimately living with her mother. Okay. So American Social Services advised that the reunion be a gradual process however the state governor decided that delamar should be returned to her true family sooner rather than later and they were reunited in march of 2004 experts felt that this could be a mistake 
When Delamar came home, she wore a blue hooded shirt and pink pants. She came through the back door, and now she's meeting her three brothers, ages 4, 10, and 11. The four-year-old was Samuel, who's like fully her 100% brother, Mm -hmm. and then her half-brothers, who were age 10 and 11. When reporters asked her that night how she felt, she said she was happy, and she said, I'm at my real home. Which is really kind of incredible. Yeah, I like was she coached or something? Like that's really grown up. Mm-hmm. That's and she's six. Yeah, she was six. Jeez, man, that's. I mean, I don't know if I'm capable of something like that. <laughs> it's like no. Uh, uh, I mean, great for her. Hopefully, she's really feeling that way. So clinical psychologist Jillian London, who specializes in working with children, says that a six-year-old girl would likely not be able to understand what truly happened to her. She only knew herself as Aaliyah Hernandez. She was raised speaking English, whereas Luz was only had a slight grasp of the English language. She primarily spoke Spanish. Mm -hmm. She had no access to the person that she believed was her mother because her mother was sent right away to prison and all of that. So literally the cord was just cut with her relationship with her. Well, because her mom's a criminal. Right. But that's somebody who she believed her entire life was her mother. But like, you know, like you said, and we've talked about before, kids are pretty adaptable. And resilient. Yeah. Like she's six. So it's just a new fact. It's like, oh, no longer my mom. Now my mom. You know, and it's just more of a fact instead of, I mean, I'm sure she's gonna have to deal with stuff emotionally. I'm sure. And not only was she taken from her mom, she was also taken from her siblings. Granted, again, they weren't her real siblings, but it's who she thought were. But, you know, even if you're adopted, like, you know, your your adopted mother is still your mother. Of course. And your adopted siblings are your siblings. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter. You know, uh, I'm not going to say it, but. It's it's brutal, though, to think like, and, and her grandparents as well, who absolutely adored her. This had to be so hard for everybody involved. So Professor David Messer of London South Bank's University Department of Child Psychology feels that children can be exceptionally resilient and that the child can gradually come to understand that the person they believe to be their parent did something wrong. Luz feels that they will overcome the obstacles ahead. And of course, I'm speaking in the past because this happened in 2004. Um, believing in her heart that they that you know they will all be accepted by her daughter. At the time of the reunion, she continued to call her her daughter Aaliyah, saying, "Little by little, I will begin to call her Delamar." Because yeah. you know it's it's like the rug was just ripped underneath this poor little girl's feet. Well, yeah, you can make it like a nickname or something, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, 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 like a pet name. You yeah, know, Aaliyah Delamar, come on, yeah, middle name almost, like yeah, kind of work it in. Exactly. So Luz said that she never believed that her daughter died in a fire on December fifteenth, and always felt suspicious. She said it never made sense that Delamar wasn't in her crib when she ran into the room when she was trying to save her on the two occasions. That's where she had put her. You know, the fire wasn't yet ravaged at that point, but the baby was not there. Yeah, and it's like I'm not crazy, and this baby's ten year- days old. Not right. 10- yeah, it can't just get up and get no, out of the crib. No, it cannot. And you ask your kids, did you take the baby? No. Yeah. And on top of it, it didn't make sense that the baby's window in the bedroom was found open because it was freezing cold outside. Right. I didn't leave that window open. Yes. Ah. 
So Man, if she could have just communicated. Exactly. That huge barrier of communication just wasn't there. So the fact that no remains were found only deepened her suspicions. When she told the firemen that she believed her baby had been stolen, again, like I mentioned before, they assured her that it just must have been her nerves. Yeah, or just lazy, lazy pol- or fire department police work. I would hope not. I mean, these that's what, like factual. we have to be humanity. This is a person's baby. At the same time, um, emergency workers, their jobs are emergencies all the time. So mm-hmm. this is part of their everyday work. Like right. my everyday work is sitting in front of a computer and emailing people. Theirs is seeing horrific things, you know, mm-hmm. especially in Philadelphia, a big city. I mean, this is just another day at work for them. It's really hard, you know, but at the same time, they got to compartmentalize it and not make it part of their own life. So it's like just another situation where the mom went crazy. And yeah, okay. I'm, the, yeah, I'm sure the baby got taken. You know, that sounds yeah. crazy, you know, so it, at the, I get where they're coming from. But if you don't have the evidence, you can't just make it up. Yeah. Oh, I found some wool fibers that, you know, oh, this is the human remains that should have been burned for a thousand degrees for an hour in a 15 minute fire. I don't think right, so. It's right. Lazy. So when Luz looked into investigating the matter, she was told she would need to hire a lawyer, which she was just not able to afford. So it just basically ended there. So in January of 2015, Carolyn Correa was convicted of kidnapping and sentenced to nine to 30 years in prison. While in court, she accused birth father Pedro Vera of helping her commit the crime, saying that he gave her the baby and in turn, she loved her as her own, claiming, I truly believed that she was mine. Pedro Vera denied any of these accusations. The defense argued that Carolyn suffered from a psychotic condition, believing that Delamar was actually her baby. Judge Pamela Demby concluded that Carolyn suffered from depression that was more manipulative than delusional. Yeah, I don't believe the whole like you thought that was your own baby. That's just in that's insane. There's no way. There's zero chance of that. I don't I mean like nice try. That's a defense lawyer trying to make something up basically. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some kind of a case where something like that has happened in a very like different situation but she's not stupid you know she's not insane that she knows that she wanted a baby bad enough she took somebody else's baby and carolyn briefly apologized for the confusion that she caused the family <laughs> the absolute like upside down the turn of, of loses entire life yep soon after carolyn was sent to prison she couldn't sleep and she began to smash her head against the cell walls you know what it fixes that not stealing children Well, that had already been done. She couldn't change that at that moment. Well, good. Her thoughts were turning suicidal, and she was moved to the infirmary and placed on suicide watch. She had auditory and visual hallucinations of a screaming baby. Elliot Atkins, who is a forensic psychologist who conducted countless hours of interviews with Carolyn, as well as her husband, daughter, and mother, is convinced that Aaliyah was her... is convinced that she... he believes that... Carolyn thought that Aaliyah was her biological child. Well, he thought so, huh? Well, I, I guess, guess yeah. he probably has more schooling than me in the uh, human mind. I'd, I'd say so. But I'm getting there. I mean, you know, it's all opinion at this point. Yeah. After DNA tests proved that Aaliyah wasn't hers, she was hysterical, wondering where her own baby was. 
Her best friend said that she even paid $638 out of her own pocket for a separate set of DNA tests. And her friend was basically saying, why would she possibly do that if she knew this baby wasn't hers? Uh, Who knows? I don't know. Despite investigators believing that Carolyn had an accomplice as Delamar disappeared from the upstairs crib while Carolyn remained downstairs. I guess she never did go upstairs. Mm -hmm. Pedro Vera was not home at the time. There was not enough evidence to make a case against anybody else. They do believe there was help from somebody else. They just don't know enough information about who and, you know, they can't pursue anything. Yeah, I don't want to get too crazy and conspiracy theory mm-hmm. but there's there's some weird things going on in it and uh yeah i wouldn't be surprised if somebody else that we've talked about was involved and strangely this was not her first carolyn's first conviction for arson in 1996 she set fire to a medical office where she worked as a file clerk she set fire to the building after she was fired and convicted in june of 1998 Jeez. a year after the fire that you know consume the house that pedro and lose lived in kind of her thing setting things on fire mm-hmm. houses with people in them or and, buildings and then in 2008 um the lifetime movie network aired little girl lost the delamar vera story so that's a, a movie you can see um i guess lose and pedro were given like six figures for the movie deal that's good questions still remain though if carolyn did have a baby that passed away what happened to that baby you know no nobody knows what where's the baby's body right i don't know hmm. and she didn't know so it, weird because in her mind she believed that Aaliyah was her baby uh, from what we're hearing the reason you think she's pregnant is because of pictures they said she was absolutely pregnant like um, authorities all say andre she moore pregnant. said she looked pregnant and he probably saw her naked and stuff i i, I don't know I, I didn't call Did Carolyn and ask, had Andre seen you pregnant? Right. Or, or well, naked I would call pregnant? Andre, not Carolyn. I didn't. I didn't. The number was disconnected that I tried okay. for Andre. Okay. Um, but regardless, there was apparently a person that did come to the house to help her with her home delivery. And her 17-year-old daughter said she met this baby. Huh. So from all accounts, there was a baby. Interesting. Maybe she sold the baby. I don't know. I'm thinking the baby died. Maybe she buried the baby's body and then... Like to kind of try to get rid of the evidence because she was just so much in a tizzy. In in an absolute idea that like, I am not going to be without a baby. I have to find a baby. Oh, Pedro has a baby. Yeah. And concocted the story. Interesting. Or this whole plan to do this. We'll never know. And didn't want anyone to know that her baby had died. Right. That, you know, that's the only, that's, spe- it's all speculation. Yeah. So I just thought that this was a very interesting story and one that I never heard. And, you know, if you're curious to know what Delamar looks like now, she's a, a beautiful young lady. She's got an Instagram account you can check out and it's, yeah, it's incredible. She still has her dimple. Yeah. She's a very, <laughs> very cute girl. Oh, well, that's good. Well, I'm glad that she find her, found a real mom. And, I'm sorry about Delamar's life getting turned upside down. Does she know, go by Delamar right yeah, now? Yeah, she does. Okay. And you know that her mother was right 
and she found her her baby again. I mean, it's Incredible. just unbelievable. This is one of the most interesting stories I've heard on our podcast. Well, was, you don't like the don't. the gory ones. Correct. You like the more interesting stories. Yes. And who doesn't like an interesting story? I don't know. I don't want to know. I know. I like an interesting you sure story. Do. Well, good job. Thank, Thank you for bringing you. that. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad that Delamar, yeah, got, Lou's got her baby back. Mm-hmm, so, me too. Thank you for bringing that one up. Well, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. If you want bonus episodes, we record one every other week. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. That's and, twice a month. Yeah. Well, no. Sometimes it's three. Sometimes even three. Yeah. So it's really interesting because if you're a tier one patron, you get one a month. If you're a tier two, you get every single one. So some of the months you get like three bonus episodes, mm-hmm. which is pretty dang sweet if you ask it me. It is. So um, if you want to get some bonus episodes, become a patron. Look in the show notes. Go ahead and pay us, you know, five, ten bucks, twenty-five, whatever, seven thousand. I don't know, whatever. If you like what you're hearing here and you do want to support us because it does take it does take resources to do that work that we're doing we we just want you to know that we appreciate each and every one of you and don't take it for granted for a single second right so thank you to our patrons colleen lily karen nadine ali michael kayla dominic brian shannon elizabeth mandy alana vivian trisha lauren megan jamie chastity Elizabeth, Genevieve, Clara Ann, Emily, Kathy, oh, this is, let's see, Emily, Kathy, yep, Ava, Jovi, Eileen, Misty, Rochelle, Destiny, Ellie, Sherry, and Melanie. You guys are awesome. Yeah, this list is getting longer every single time. We got to start cutting, you know, I'm something. I got to figure something out at some point. I don't want to like cut. It's not like that. It's just in the interest of time. You yeah. know? We don't want people to just be like fast forward through the end because it's all bullshit. We don't ever want you all to either feel like we don't appreciate you yeah, any longer. If we're, if we're not saying your name on the podcast, it's only because of time reasons, not because we don't appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. And I hope you know that. Right. I do. So, I hey, do. thank you so much for listening. Please uh, share with your friends this holiday season. Be like, hey, you guys like true crime? What about the true crime? We're crime and coffee couple. What's our name? Crime and coffee couple. <laughs> that <laughs> asshole podcast. doesn't even know the name, but at least I do. Hey, I'm just lucky I show up. So, <laughs> hey, uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate you. Until next time. Bye. Bye.